Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Greetings! This is the Sample Chapter Podcast, episode 41. Yes, that's right. This is the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. My name is Jason A. Meiske, your host, and I am neck deep in NaNoWriMo 2018. How about you? Are you an author checking out the show? Are you uh, also trying your hand at writing a 50,000-word novel in the month of November like I am? Uh, Well, I'm trying it anyway. I've been doing pretty decent this year. Not too bad. Today's been my worst day so far. I only got a couple hundred words in this morning, and the rest of my day has just been kind of... It's been a day, to say the least. So, word count's going to be a little light, I think, today. But, tomorrow's a new day, and we'll see what happens. But the story's coming really nice. Uh, Once I get a little bit of time into writing it, it starts to flow, and I don't want to stop. So, I'm looking forward to just making that time. Making it happen, you know? And if you're doing NaNoWriMo... I want to hear about it. I want you to reach out to me. Find me. Send me a buddy request on NaNoWriMo, okay? It's Jason A. Meiske. Just my name. That's all I am. I don't have no, any fancy you know, code name or something like that. Although maybe I should do that sometime. Maybe I should put myself down as a sample chapter guy or something like that. I don't know. But right now, I'm just Jason A. Meiske. Check me out. In fact, I tell you what. Show notes. I will put a link in the show notes for me on there so that way you can find me i will uh, add you as a buddy if you send me one let's hook up we'll read each other on and good luck to you well that's enough about that <laughs> this is not the NaNoWriMo show i think there's already a couple of shows out there for that but that's not what we are no we are the show like i said about authors reading a sample chapter and we've got some a really fun chapter for you again today uh but first how was your halloween uh, it's another fun night of lots of candy, and of course, you know, this. now I've got grandkids, so they were hanging out with me, got to go through their candy and determine what was safe for them to have, and you know, what uh, what grandpa needed to take care of for them, take it off their hands, and it, it's for their benefit, right? It's I'm just protecting them, so you, you believe me, right? <laughs> it, uh, you know, but it was a fun time. I had a really good time for Halloween. And uh, had some watched uh, watched some movies. I got my Viking hat for Nanorimo this year, so I just wore that sitting outside, and then I've been wearing it every day for Nanorimo so far. And yeah, it was a good time. Uh, we all to go along with that. Had a really fun talk last week with Kevin Carr. Uh, you know, he's he's a big time Halloween guy, so that was a lot of fun. It's it's just pure coincidence that this week we have another guy in radio. And we're talking with Joe Moore this week. He is a local author and communications professor at the local University of Central Missouri campus. And he's also now an author. And he works in radio as well. Of course, communications, i.e. radio. (laughs) But so it was just pure accident, you know, a complete coincidence that I would end up with two radio guys in two weeks. So this is kind of cool actually in one way uh, when you look at it like that but what's crazy is that joe and i actually recorded his episode a few weeks ago and it wasn't until after we were done like i we got done with the call i hung up i hit the button and usually within a few seconds the message pops up saying here's your recording and i left the room i came back to my office like an hour later and it's not there 
And I spent the next hour searching my computer going like freaking out, you know, like, oh my gosh, where's the file? Where's the file? And turns out, yeah, it didn't record at all. And I I have been known to <laughs> to tease some of my fellow podcasters out there for, you know, how do you how do you not know that you're that it's not recording? And well, doggone it. Happened to me. And this was totally my own fault too. It turned out I just I, I don't know. I guess I just got excited and completely forgot to hit the button to start recording. Or if I if I did, I didn't hit it hard enough and I didn't verify that it was recording. So it was totally on me. And then to add to the story, as Joe and I were doing our recording, right before he gets ready to do his his reading, right around uh, the 15 minute mark of his portion of this episode, you'll hear a definite tone change because that's where I lost internet here at my home. <laughs> my son, who's upstairs playing Xbox with his friends, uh, he was apparently experiencing a lot of lag for some reason. So he decided, well, I need to go reset the router. <laughs> so, of course, you know, what does any 14-year-old do? I'm just going to go do it without telling anybody. My wife is online with her laptop doing school lessons and i'm in here in a live call <laughs> and all of a sudden zoom, it's all gone it is i lose the call and i'm <laughs> it was oh my gosh so i had to piece that together once we got everything back up and running again unfortunately i don't know how that happened but for some reason the audio was not as clear this time uh, when I got Joe back on, it wasn't as clear as it was when we first started. And I didn't realize that until I went to put the episode together. So, But you're going to hear that. I did what I could to clean it up and uh, filter out uh, some, of the, some of the sounds and then boost the signal a little bit. But the first portion of it, I think, is just a little bit clearer. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's the perfectionist in me trying to give you the best episode that I can. And I just, I, I can't thank Joe enough for his patience uh, for not only being willing to come back and do the entire episode and do the entire reading a second time, <laughs> but then to have the patience to wait. You know, he's just sitting at home. I don't know. Maybe he's having a, a bag of chips or something waiting on me. So I don't know. I, Joe's a pretty healthy guy. I don't think he's, he eats chips, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, waiting on me while I'm frantically unplugging and plugging back in our wi-fi and then that doesn't work and i gotta plug the router in now cycle the wi-fi again and okay it's back up and running good lord it's been it's been a experience tonight so anyway ah uh, i should go ahead and give thanks to our sponsor before i get into the episode uh, i want to say thank you to you store all of warnsburg missouri they are premium self-storage facility in the warnsburg area they're in the process of building two new climate control buildings as we speak. Their climate control is heated, cooled, and features dehumidification, so it's just like storing within your own home. They also have several hundred other non-climate control units, so you can get into access, you know, you can access those 24 hours a day. Both facilities are completely fenced with gated access and more than 40 cameras recording everything 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They always know what's going on. So and this is indoor and outdoor camera work. So check them out online at ustoral.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Ustoral. Well, 
now that that is all done, I need to go ahead and get us on over to the episode with Joe Moore. And you're going to like this. This is a lot of fun. I have a feeling that uh, this could be a very popular episode in this area where I live. All, uh, all of you UCM, Mules, Jennies, all of you out there that are listening, give me a shout out. Let me know that you're listening. Give Joe a shout out. He's going to be live on the air this Friday with his, his very first broadcast, Color Commentary. Don't forget to check it out. We're going to give you a link during the uh, the episode, and I'll have the uh, have a link in the show notes. So check it out. I'm going to get us on over to the interview with Mr. Joe Moore. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Uh, this week, I am here with a special friend, uh, local author, Joe Moore. He is a uh, he has created a really fantastic book about sportscasters and their art, their their job, everything about them. This is really cool, and I can't wait to dive in. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to have good to be here. <laughs> yeah, again, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah joe thank you so much for coming back again so uh for the, no problem yeah uh, for the audience out there yeah this is our second time doing this uh joe was kind enough to come back we tried this a few weeks ago and lo and behold technical difficulties uh i.e apparently jason didn't hit the record button uh it didn't record so he was kind enough to come back and thank you so much joe absolutely i appreciate you having me on jason <laughs> my, my pleasure. Well, tell the audience uh, about yourself. I am an associate professor of communication at the University of Central Missouri, uh, my alma mater, Go Mules. Um, I had 15 years in the sports information profession, um, most recently when I was at Central Missouri as the athletic media relations director from 2002 to 2006, and then started at my academic career teaching. Um, started a sport communication program at the university where we do a lot of uh, training students how to be sports reporters, everything from being a sports writer to a blogger to doing play-by-play to producing uh, video streams, um, doing all of that. And uh, just from all of that and from my experience working in the profession, I just, you know, I'd always wanted to write a book and um, I was trying to decide one day, I decided, you know, it's just time to do it. It's time to stop thinking about it, stop dreaming about it and just do it. Now, what are you going to write about? And it hit me that, you know, in teaching sports broadcasting, there's a lot of information out there about being a, doing the production, doing the, the pre-planning and the production itself and the post-production and um, running cameras and directing and producing and all of that part of it. And every text I looked at, there's just one chapter that tries to encapsulate everything that goes into doing play-by-play and color analysis and sideline reporting. And when I was in sports information, I always was amazed at the sports uh, sportscasters, and particularly the play-by-play announcers, and how they could just have just tomes of information that they've researched and then able to um, share that in real time. Um, and it, it just kind of hit me one day, why don't you write a book about sportscasters? And um, I decided, you know, Missouri has some great ones. I've had a couple of students intern with some of them. Um, I know some of them. I thought, let's just let's grab those guys and let's get their stories and uh, share that with an audience. It's an amazing book. I mean, it just the uh, the idea behind it, and like you said, the the information they've got to study. Uh, just just watching the Chiefs games, uh, you know, we were talking last time about that. 
and how they they know every player just by their number. They know their stats, and they can just rattle off, oh, yeah, from university, whatever, and this guy, he had this many tackles throughout his career. And I'm going like, oh, my gosh, how do you know this stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when I worked in sports information, you know, that was part of what I did was I got some of those backstories, and I provided the statistics and where they went to school and if they had a relative that was an alum or a relative that, is, that was playing in the pros or – uh, you know, with baseball, the stats programs we used could break down how they did against left-handers, how they did against right-handers, how they did against the conference, how they did against uh, in night games, you know, all types of stuff like that. And I would just put all this together and I would share it. And, man, I'd sit there listening. Gosh, that's a stat that I gave them. Man, that's a little tidbit I brought out. And they're just throwing all this stuff into the broadcast and make it so much more interesting. And, you know, one of the things that um, Brad Boyer, who's, who's in the book, he works at KRES up in Moberly, covers Truman State University, guy that I've known for years uh, from my time in sports information. And he was saying, you know, you can do a game just by talking about the game, given the stats, given the score, time left on the clock, and providing all that information, and you can do a fine job of it. But if you have those extra tidbits that you can throw in there, it just makes it for that much more of an enjoyable sportscast. And, and it's kind of funny, this Friday, um, the Mules open at home against Harding University. And I've done play-by-play for when I did sports broadcast, I taught the sports broadcasting class, done play-by-play for a video stream for volleyball. I did some baseball. Um, I did a little soccer. But I've never done play-by-play on the radio. And my maiden voyage is this Friday covering the Mules versus Harding University because Greg Hassler, who's, uh, who's also in the book, um, he's going to be with the Jennies covering their game. So I'm covering the mules and I've never done it before. <laughs> and I am scared to death. <laughs> but <laughs> one of those things I tell my students, you know, you're going to have to be scared because you're putting yourself out there. And so Greg and I were talking about, it, and he goes, man, if you're going to teach this stuff and write a book about it, you have to go do it. So I'm going to go do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. Well, let's raise the stakes a little bit more because this episode is going to come out tomorrow. And uh, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody listening, is there some place where they can catch this broadcast, like online can, or something? Yeah, they can catch it if they're here locally on uh, 1450 KOKO 98.5 The Bar, KWKJ, or they can go to warrensburgradio.com. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to Greg which one I'm going to be on is at 1450 or 98.5 because we're both. You know, I think we're on at the same time, um, but the Jennies are on the road. And he had first said, what about if you went with the Jennies? I said, man, they're the defending national champions. They need the A-team. You go with them. <laughs> I will cover them. I'll stay here, cover the mules. Uh, so, so yeah, it'll be – it's probably going to be one of those very basic – because I'm, I'm getting some information about the players and the teams, but, you know, this being my first time out of the shoot, it's probably going to be a very basic production. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, this is awesome, man. This is this is great. You see, it was fortuitous that the uh, recording didn't work last time, so now, yeah, we, can, now we can get you a bigger, bigger audience. So check it out and go mules. So. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not nervous at all now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So now you were talking about uh, this is your first book. Uh, had you done any yeah. writing before? You know, as a professor, one of the things we get to do is academic research. So we'll uh, we'll take a topic and we'll uh, maybe come up with a communication theory that drives it. And part of what you're trying to do is add to the body of knowledge. So I've done some research um, used, uh, and used different methodologies. I've done a survey. I've done an experiment, um, developed a case study. 
uh, you know, so stuff like that. My thesis, my master's thesis, I did a survey um, trying to develop to, to improve the the uh, the relationship between sports directors and editors and sports information directors. Um, my master's thesis, I did a survey of sports information directors to see what they needed to do to gain more influence in their athletic departments. Um, I've surveyed sports editors to and directors to find out what skills they think are most in, uh, most essential. Is it the basics, you know, the writing, the grammar, the story structure, or is it more using more modern technology like social media and more convergence? Um, I developed a uh, sport broadcast, sports broadcasting dual credit program, so I did a, a, a case study off of that. So most of my writing has been just purely academic research where I had to take a methodology, I had to get a, a, a sample, and then do some sort of uh, research and then the, the journal article out of that. Um, but this is the first time I've taken the stab at writing a book. Okay. Well, this is, I mean, it looks amazing. Uh, just thumbing Thank through you. there and checking out some of the names. You want to you wanna, uh, tell the audience uh, just a few of the names that, uh, that you got to talk to, people you got to, to speak with and interview? Yeah. For? Yeah, it was really exciting because I knew when I started it, okay, well, I knew a couple of the people I wanted to talk to. I knew I wanted to talk to Greg Schmidt, who's a KMMO in Marshall, because I had a student doing color commentary for him for his internship. And he came back and said, man, this guy is amazing. He's done, he's going on 5,000 broadcasts. He does the, the ice the game of the week. Um, and he's doing, done almost 5,000 broadcasts. He's really interesting. I thought, well, that'd be a great story because he's been around for a long time. Of course, I wanted to get the professional guy. So I wanted to talk to Mitch Holtis. Um, Ryan Lefevre is my absolute favorite. I love listening to him call Royals games, whether it's on radio or television. Yep. I um, wanted to talk to somebody with the Cardinals, somebody with the Blues, because I want to get all those pro teams. Um, and I end up getting Dan McLaughlin with the Cardinals and John Kelly with the Blues. Uh, I got to talk to Nate Bucati with Sporting KC, because, you know, soccer is just one sport you really don't think about too much. But when they think of sports casting, they think of watching baseball, football, or basketball, but soccer is growing so much. Um, and then another one I really wanted to visit with was Mike Kelly. Um, you, you can't do a, a book called Show Me Sportscasters and not talk to the voice of Mizzou. So uh, those are just some of the guys I, I visited with. Nice. That's awesome, man. Well, now, what uh, what do you have coming up? Any other books? You know, I was going to take a little bit of time off um, because I was working – the experiment that I did um, for a research article took me about a year, year and a half to get through the experiment, crunch the numbers, get it written up, get it uh, – submit it to a journal. Um, and that process is just labor-intensive because you can only submit it to one journal at a time, and most of the times they get rejected. They just don't fit the scope of what that journal is doing or – um, they've got a different call out for it. And so I had to work through that process for about a year and a half, almost two years. And that was exhausting. And in the process of doing that is when I started writing, writing show me sportscasters. And by the time I got done with show me sportscasters, I'm like, all right, I need a little bit of a break. And so, um, over Christmas, I've already started doing some of the preliminary research. I've talked to the office, but uh, the next book I'm going to be working on is the history of the mid America intercollegiate athletics association. Um, and I think over Christmas break, I'm going to start diving into that a little bit more. Uh, Larry House, who is the Associate Commissioner for External Affairs for the MIAA, and I have visited it. He's excited about it. He's going to work with me some on it. Um, but the MIAA is arguably the best Division II athletic conference in the country. Um, kind of, I call it the SEC of Division II. And it's got a rich history. It's the second oldest Division II athletic conference in the country. 
Um, our teams regularly do well in the national standings for the Learfield Directors Cup because they perform so well. We've had national champions in football, baseball, basketball, soccer, track and field, you know, and, and it's they've just done a lot of our coaches have come from this conference and gone on to to fame and glory, so to speak. Um, had a lot of student athletes come out of here that have gone on to the pros. Um, you know, Jeff Wright played for the Buffalo Bills in all four of their Super Bowls, and he was an All-American nose guard here at the University of Central Missouri. Rod Smith is the all-time leading receiver um, in the NFL among receivers who were free agents, and he was an All-American at Missouri Southern. So you've got guys like that, and I thought, we've got a great story to tell from our conference. Um, and so I just, you know, I wanted to, want to tell their story and say, uh, you know, talk about what they've got going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome, man. So that'll be, that'll be fantastic. I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to hear when that one's coming out as well. So <clears throat> hopefully yeah. if I can get things going, hopefully this time next year, I'll be, I'll be, uh, putting that one out. Outstanding. Yeah. Well, you got yourself a, a, a budding, another budding career. It sounds like between, <laughs> between being a professor during the day and a broadcaster at night and then in the closet writing. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, where can, uh, where could people follow you online? Um, I, I have a blog. It's Joe Mule at blogspot.com. Um, it's, I, I, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. Uh, Joe Mule 37. Uh, I, I played football at the university of central Missouri and my number was 37. So I put that together. Um, but I blog on there not as regularly as I would like. Um, actually I haven't done anything here in a couple three weeks. Um, but I get stuff on there every once in a while. So I don't have a huge online presence. I do have a Twitter account. I do have a Facebook page um, and I, I'll talk about the book some on there. Okay. Yeah. And we'll make sure and share your Amazon page as well. So that way people know exactly where to go. Yeah. <clears throat> it's available in uh, paperback and as an ebook. So, um, and, and one of the things I'm doing with it, you know, like you said, I've got another budding career. Um, when I started writing the book, I recognized that, you know, I, this isn't, I'm not an author that's going to make a ton of money. I'm not going to make a living as an author and that's okay. I have a living as a, as a professor. This is just a passion. I love to write. Uh, when I started the sports broadcasting classes, I had to learn about broadcasting just, you know, days, weeks ahead of my students because that wasn't my background. I'd been on the periphery of it, but I hadn't actually done it. But at my core, um, in my heart, I'm a writer. And so it was just something I wanted to do. And I got to thinking, you know, I don't really need to make money at this. Um, so what am I going to do with that, you know, with making the money off of it? And I, there was this uh, auto manufacturer that um, he was a devout Christian, as am I. And he always thought, you know, as a Christian, you're, you're called to tithe 10%. And he said, I make more than enough that I can live on the 10%. I'm going to get my 90% back. And I thought, you know, that, that'd be really cool. I can't afford to live on 10% of my salary, <laughs> but I could get, you know, keep 10% of the book and give away 90% of whatever I make off of the book. And so I'm, uh, I've got an agreement with Show Me Christian Youth Homes because another passion of mine is children. I love kids. I have three of my own. We have a foster son. I coach my son's soccer team. I work with our vacation Bible school. Um, I helped with our church camp and I thought, you know, what I could do is give 90% to a youth organization. And I was uh, driving out to camp one day and right next to the campus to show me Christian youth home. And I thought, show me sportscasters, show me Christian youth homes. That's, that's a perfect fit. And so I visited with a good friend of mine, Chad Puckett, who's the director out there. 
and uh, told him what I wanted to do. And he said, man, that's great. And I said, no, listen, you're not going to get rich off of this, but it's something I really feel like I want to do. I feel led to do this. And so, so that's what I'm going to do. So hopefully uh, people, that, if that doesn't motivate people to buy the book, you know, hopefully you get a good read out of it and you're helping a worthy cause. So, so, and that's, wow. I mean, 90% of every book. That's incredible, man. Thank you. That is, I thought, that yeah, is, my wife. My wife told well, I was told her I was going to do this. She goes, wait a minute. I didn't agree to that. You know, of course, tongue in cheek. And she goes, what if you make a million dollars? I said, well, then we'll make a hundred thousand dollars off of that. Yeah, that's more than I make it here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, said, but I am not going to make a million dollars off this book. <laughs> well, you know, a hundred thousand is still pretty comfortable. So. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So there you go, everybody. You need to pick up this book. You're going to be entertained and you're supporting a great cause along the way. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Show Me Christian Youth Home so that way people know what, what they're helping. Sure, out. sure. They're, they're helping an organization that, that, you know, they take in kids and they match them with families there at Show Me. And these kids are coming from families that um, you know, oftentimes the parents have, have had issues. They've, they've been incarcerated or um, they're just not in a situation where they feel like they can take care of their, their kids and, you know, not to judge or anything like that, but they, 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 you know, they make the recognition that my kids are going to be better off if they're somewhere else. So they're kids that have come from troubled backgrounds. Um, and they're just families and a community that surrounds them with love and support. They, they educate them. Um, they, they train them and they just, they give them a chance. And with the ultimate goal of, you know, they get reunified with their family, but they're getting a chance. They're getting a, the, an opportunity. You know, we talk about um, they're not getting a handout. They're getting a hand up. And so that's that's kind of what they're after. Um, that's what they're trying to accomplish with them. And I've met a lot of the kids out there. Um, again, I know the, the director, Chad Puckett, very well. He and his family go to church with us. Um, my kids have grown up with his kids in a lot of, a lot of ways. So um, just great people doing a great thing. And this is a small way that I can help out. Man, uh, Joe, you are an amazing guy. This is an awesome book and a great Thank opportunity. You. Everybody, like I said, you need to go out and uh, check out the book. You're going to be entertained. You're going to learn some stuff about about these people that you hear on the radio and you hear on TV all the time. And now you get to learn a little bit more about them. And it's all for a great cause. This is really awesome. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming on the show. And thank you for putting up with all the uh, technical difficulties we've had along the way. <laughs> so. It's been a, it's been a wild ride, man. <laughs> hey, I work in a business where those technical difficulties come along all the time. So we uh, teach our students you have to adapt and be flexible. Yeah, well, I mean, the benefit with this is that uh, at least I don't I don't have to worry about dead air. I can just edit that out, so nobody will know the difference. But <laughs> oh my gosh, Joe, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to hand the floor over to Joe Moore and Show Me Sportscasters. Thank you, Jason. I'm going to read the chapter about Greg Hassler, who is our local radio personality. He is co-owner of the local radio station, KOKO 1450 AM, KWKJ 98.5 FM. Um, he is the voice of the Mules and Jennies here at the University of Central Missouri. Greg Hassler did not take what many would consider the traditional route to the broadcast booth, but then again, he hasn't been traditional in much of anything in his career. He started at Park University right after graduating from Washington High School in Kansas City, Kansas, but left to be a golf professional before coming back to graduate with a degree in management in 2001. He came to Warrensburg in the late 80s and served as a golf pro in Kansas City and then in Warrensburg from 1984 to 1997. 
Greg also worked in real estate before joining his friend Vance Delosier to purchase DNH Media, home of 1450 KOKO, 98.5 KWKJ, on August 6, 2001. Since that time, he has provided play-by-play for Warrensburg High School, sideline reports for University of Central Missouri Eagles football, color commentary for UCM basketball, and finally, play-by-play for the Mules and Jennies. Broadcasting for one of NCAA Division II's top programs, including five top three and seven top ten finishes in the Learfield Director's Cup over the past ten years, Greg has naturally had the opportunity to call the action for some stellar teams. Including in that list are three football playoff berths and three bowl games, eight women's basketball regional tournament berths and a regional title, and eight trips to the men's basketball regional, including three championships. He has also called the action for a pair of men's final fours. The highlights, though, came March 29, 2014 in Evansville, Indiana, when Greg was on the call for the Mules' 84-77 win over West Liberty to claim the NCAA Division II National Championship, and on March 23, 2018, when the Jennies ended Ashland's 73-game win streak with a 66-52 win for the national title. Greg and his daughter, Allie, live in Warrensburg. He is vice president, co-owner, and sports director for DNH Media, where he wears many hats, including accounting, programming, and scheduling. He took second once in a Missouri Broadcasters Association competition, but says he doesn't regularly submit for competitions. He is currently back in school pursuing a master's degree in communication at the University of Central Missouri in hopes of landing an opportunity to teach one day. Greg and I sat down to visit his office in Warrensburg. While he is one of my closest friends in the media, we have been broadcast partners for seven years, and as I provide color analysis for Mules football, I learned a lot I never knew about Greg and his approach. From a golf pro to a real estate agent to a radio station owner. As I said, Greg did not take the traditional path to the broadcast booth. So how did he get into radio and from there into sportscasting? Vance Delosier and I had an opportunity to bring an FM station to town because Coco was just AM and it was owned by somebody else. But we had an opportunity and word got out that we were going to bring an FM in. The company that owned KOKO wasn't from here and realized that's probably a very good deal for them because we are local guys. We know everybody. So they said, let's just sell. So we bought Coco, and now we had both of them. We have a plaque on the wall that shows we played our first record in 2001. Sports broadcasting was just a byproduct of being an owner. Somebody had to do it. I had an experience in it, and so I started out at the lowest level. I put a lot of time in as a football sideline guy for Mules football. That was all I did. And then I started doing color for UCM Mules and Jenny's basketball, and then it progressed up to what I do now. Okay, so that was how Greg got into radio. But perhaps the bigger question was why? After all, radio is not a nine-to-five job. At the time, I was ready for a different challenge, and it sounded like fun. It sounded like a good way to make a living. Owning a small business, no matter what you do, is a hard way to make a living, and I learned that the hard way. Indeed. In fact, at the time of this writing, Greg was leading a major remodel at the station. But the hard work, if anything, has spurred him on. I got into it, and the more I learned about it, radio was really appealing to me. I don't like doing the same thing day in and day out. Radio is not really like that. It's always something different. Greg actually kind of stumbled into radio when UCM's former play-by-play announcer needed some assistance for a high school game. But once he did that game, Greg was hooked. I never had a goal to be a sportscaster. I did a game with Jonesy, former UCM Associate Athletic Director Sean Jones, the Lady Tigers and Columbia Hickman girls in a Christmas basketball game. Game one, I was the color guy. I was terrible, but I liked it. Then I did a few more, and the next thing you know, I did Warrensburg Tiger basketball for a couple of years, and then I did none until Jonesy came back from working at KU, and then I started in football sideline for the Mules. I did sideline for quite a while, and then they had some cuts at UCM, and everybody was wearing a lot of different hats, so I ended up doing color for road games. 
I did home Jenny's basketball games, and that freed up other people to do other stuff. I enjoyed it, and I got better at it, and then ended up doing all the Jenny's games. That's when I really felt comfortable, and then I started doing football. The very first football game I did, you and I did in Topeka, Kansas, when Washburn and the Mules played in the very last game of the year. That is the very first play-by-play game I had ever done in football. It was me, you, and I can't remember who was on the sidelines. So when Jonesy got the job in Arkansas as an athletic director at Henderson State University, I took over everything. It is nerve-wracking, but it has worked out pretty well. Given all his experiences before entering broadcasting, it is a bit surprising that Greg can't easily come up with an idea about what he would do other than radio. I mean, that's a hard question because you ask that question now, I can think about all the stuff that I would have wanted to do. But if you asked me 20 years ago, there'd be a different answer. I'd say now I probably would be in the healthcare field. Greg serves on the board at Western Missouri Medical Center. I think I'd be in the administration, probably not as a provider, not a doctor or a nurse, but in administration. I'm a leader, Joe, he said with a grin. I like to lead. Thousands of college sportscasters go their entire career and never get to call a national title game. In just four years on the job, Greg has gotten to bring the play-by-play for two. The 2014 Mules Basketball National Championship run was by far the craziest thing. Just the way it happened. That was the year no one would do Ginny's basketball. I was the only guy that could do it. I'm down with the Ginny's down in Arkansas in the regional tournament. The Mules feel like I've abandoned them as they're playing in Mankato, Minnesota. The Ginny's get beat in the second round, and the Mules survived on the last second shot against Northwest Missouri State, and they moved on. I jumped back on board, and of course now Coach Kim Anderson is all, okay, all right, now you're on board. And then we end up going to the Elite Eight in Evansville, Indiana. We beat Southern Connecticut like a dog, 98-88, and then we survived Metro State, 71-69. And then we win the national championship game, 84-77, over West Liberty. It was just unbelievable. I mean, you roll into the Ford Center in Evansville, Indiana, and you have your sport coat on, you have your equipment, and you think you're big time. And then you play the game, you win, and there's confetti flying everywhere. It's unbelievable. Because at the end of the day, you're packing yourself into a car, stopping at fast food, and driving home. It's over. After interviewing Greg the first time, I had to do an update. While I was writing a book, UCM Jenny's basketball team was having a magical season, one that led Greg to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. There, Central Missouri ended Ashland's 73-game win streak to claim the 2018 Women's National Championship. Greg was also on the sidelines in 2002 when the Mules football team in the last game of the regular season defeated Pittsburgh State in overtime in Pittsburgh, Kansas, to advance to the national playoffs for the first time in school history. It only seemed natural to ask which of these three events was most memorable. The Mules basketball run was very unexpected, very exciting, just like this one, the Jenny's national title. I mean, you lose in the first round of the MIAA tournament, and then you make the run on the road the entire way. This one, the Jenny's title, was exciting. The Jennies just played so good. They're just so tough, so mentally strong. When the Mules football team beat Pittsburgh State, that was getting over the hump. Mules basketball, you know, they've been to a couple of Final Fours under Coach Anderson before winning the title in 2014. They did a great job. But this team, the Jennies, you know, 1984 is the last time they won a national championship. It had been 29 years since the Final Four. And then out of nowhere, they make a run and win a national championship. So this one is very exciting. Look, I've known guys who have been calling games for 25 years and have never done a national championship game. I've called two national championships in five years, and we've won both of them. I guess that has to do with being at UCM. There's other schools that don't even come close to qualifying for a national tournament. I'm spoiled because we win all the time. You can't expect to go to a national championship game every year, but two and three years? What are the odds of that? Unless you're a blue blood like KU or Kentucky, but at Division II, that's hard to do. It doesn't happen very often.
As a former UCM student athlete and athletic administrator, I watch or listen to a lot of Meals and Jenny's sports. As a result, I had a pretty good idea what call stood out most for Greg. Turned out, I was right. This year, the play against Emporia State, as time expired, it looked like the game would go into overtime. Emporia State threw a pass and tried the old hook and ladder play, but the Mules defender batted the ball away. Another Mules defender scooped the ball and raced toward the end zone, fumbled the ball into the end zone at the one, and the Mules fell on it for the upset win over the 15th ranked Hornets. The call ended up being on ESPN and on the Bleacher Report, and I had my five minutes of fame right there. I mean, one minute you're settling down thinking, okay, let's get this baby into overtime. The next minute, we win. It's the craziest play, and you're on ESPN. You just never know in sportscasting what's going to happen. Greg also had a great call just before the half of the 2018 Women's National Championship game. Chins by four, going toe-to-toe. It's Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed exchanging haymakers in the middle of the ring. Where did that come from? I watch a lot of movies, so I can draw back on that. It just looked like two heavyweight fighters throwing punches as hard as they could at each other, and neither one of them was moving. They both just stood right there and took it and kept moving forward. At the end of the game, the Jennies just had a few more punches. But that was exactly what it was like. One thing I know about Greg is that he has quite the self-effacing sense of humor. So I was not really surprised by his response when I asked if he ever practiced for a specific call. I'm not smart enough or good enough to pre-think something. My personality is probably a little bit different than a lot of sportscasters' personalities. I mean, I laugh during the broadcast, say things I probably shouldn't say. I have a good time with it, and I try to make it relatable to people. I'm not a real staunch one, two, three, here we go, guy. That's just not my thing. I just like to have fun with it. Of course, he can get away with being a little different. He does own the station, after all. That sparks a new question. Is Greg a radio station owner who happens to do play-by-play or a play-by-play announcer who owns the radio station? I'm a radio station owner that does play-by-play. That's just part of what I do. I wear all of the hats. So what if somebody came along and said, I want to do play-by-play for the mules? Well, now I become the play-by-play guy that actually owns this thing, so that's a no. Silly and playful as Greg can be, when game day rolls around, he is all business, and it starts early. Football is an all-day event. It's up early. It's a cup of coffee while watching college game day on ESPN to kind of get your mind right. It's if you're on the road, hit the road, get there plenty early, set up your gear and test everything, go over your notes, and get ready to go. If you're at home, you get wherever you're going, and you still get there early to make sure everything is set up, everything works. You talk to people and then on with the game. And then after the game, if you're at home, it's usually a celebration. Just have fun with your buddies. If it's a road game, you pack it up in the car, try six hours home. In basketball, you get there a couple hours early, get set up, kind of get yourself in the moment. You go over game notes again and get ready to go. Game days are the best part because you've done all your prep leading up to it. Now, if you haven't done your prep leading up to it, it's going to be pretty stressful because you have no idea who anybody is and you have no idea what you're going to talk about. And that's not good. When most people think about sportscasters, they simply consider that the announcer is providing information and explaining what is happening during the event. Greg considers himself a servant. People need escapes from their daily life. They need that to be able to live happily. So many people do that by paying 500 bucks and going to a Chiefs game. Other people will turn the radio on and listen to their favorite team. If it just happens to be the mules, that is their daily escape from all the crap that happened at work. Man, the Jennies are on tonight at 5.30 at Fika. They're ranked third in the country. All right, my job is entertaining them so they can enjoy the next two hours. That way they get their escape. When I interviewed Greg, he was in his second semester of graduate school working toward a master's degree in mass communication. Now, not only was he using his experience in instincts to call the action, he was using academic research. I was reading a research paper from a guy at Northwest Missouri State. He said it is the announcer's job to keep the fan engaged in the broadcast, engaged in the game. 
This research found that if there is some controversy, that keeps fans engaged. You don't want to dwell on it, but fans like that. So if there's a strange call or a strange play, you have to bring that up to address that controversy. This happens. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. The fans like that. According to Greg Hassler, the Internet has been a game changer. There's so much more online, especially in college. You can get everything you need at a click of a button. And during a game, you don't have to wait to get paper stats. There's live stats updated after every play. You can make yourself sound like the smartest guy in the world just by having a laptop sitting in front of you. Often during the development of this book, I found myself away from my computer with time to kill. Because the work in progress was a Google Docs, I could just pull out my iPhone and write. Turns out, Greg has found his cell phone to be a beneficial in his work as a sportscaster as well. You can do a post-game interview on your phone and email it back to the station. The electronics have changed the whole deal. I can do that on my phone now. I have an app that, for 9 bucks, my phone works just as good as a $1,000 recorder, and I can cut and paste on my phone. I've got the WAV files, MP3 files. I can file share it anywhere I want. It sounds great. During our interview, Greg talked a lot about what he liked about football and basketball broadcasts. But which does he prefer? Just because of the all-day game day atmosphere of football, I like it a lot. But once football season is over, I get just as excited to do basketball. And the reason why it's good, and we're fortunate, is because we're good. Now, if you're calling a 1-10 in 10 football team every year and a 5-19 and 19 basketball team every year, it might not be very fun. It's just all based on winning, and we're good. We've always had a chance. He may favor the sports most often seen on television or heard on the radio, but don't think Greg is averse to calling the less represented sports. I did the Jenny softball in the regional and in the World Series a couple of years ago, and I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a lot of fun. It was to the point where we're back in the national championship type setting. I'd love to be able to do more softball. I've done volleyball, and I've really enjoyed that. The thing is that the time constraints are really hard for me to do everything. It's tough. I would love to be doing some Jenny soccer. I just don't know anything about soccer, but I would enjoy doing it. It just conflicts with so much stuff we have going on right now. Given all his experience in his years as a sportscaster, Greg surely must have some goals. For example, he has not done much baseball, but he likes to call more meals baseball games. As with all the high school and college announcers in the book, I was also curious as to his future aspirations as a play-by-play announcer. Any desire to work in professional sports? I've done baseball, and I enjoy that. The regionals that I did in St. Cloud were really fun. If Bob Jackson, current UCM play-by-play announcer for baseball, ever decided not to do Mules baseball, I would just go over from basketball to baseball and have no problem with that. That would give me something to do in the spring. I think that would be fun. Football, to me, is very commercialized in the National Football League. The college game is a little more pure, so I like that, especially at our level. They are still good athletes, you know, with great facilities. I would like to see a Mules football national championship. That would be awesome. But it's like you're Division I competing in Division II, so I like that. Same with professional baseball. It may not be as commercialized as the NFL, but the college game is still so pure. I prefer that. My dad used to tell a story about the time his uncle put him on an inflatable raft, paddled him out to the middle of a pond, yanked the raft out from under him, and shouted, Swim or drown! Suffice it to say, dad learned to swim that day. Greg takes a similar approach to training young broadcasters. Apparently, it too has worked. Several young men have come through the station to start their careers doing play-by-play, color, and sideline. We have to do the high school games. In our size town, that's what you do, and I'm not going to do them. I mean, it's not that I don't want to do them, but I'm busy running the station and doing the UCM games. My theory on those guys who do the high school games is I bring these guys in and I show them the ropes, and I'm going to teach them how they're going to do it. But once that's done, that's it. It's now their responsibility. I don't even want to hear about high school sports. I don't want to know anything that's going on. I don't want to worry about the board operator. That is your job. You guys figure it out. If you don't get the game on, it's on you. If you don't have a board up here, that's your fault. 
You guys are in charge of high school athletics, period. I don't have time to mess with it. It's all yours. That's how I handle it with those guys once I show them how to do everything and teach them. Now, if you have questions about a better way to do something, I'll help them. I listen to the games and I will text them during the games. I'll critique some stuff that they said. Shouldn't have said that and tell them what they should say. I'll do that. But as far as scheduling and all that kind of stuff, it's on them and that's their job. They have to be responsible and make sure it's done right. I've had a guy who just didn't get there early enough. Well, it burned him a couple of times. Well, it doesn't happen anymore. He gets there plenty early, so you live and learn. As a single father and station owner who calls the games for one of the most successful athletic programs in NCAA Division II, Greg doesn't have much time to get away. When he does, he says he likes to serve. I have passions that I support through the radio station and that I care a lot about, like the Show Me Christian Youth Home, you know, taking care of kids that really don't have a whole lot or a place to go, battered women's programs. I think there's just a lot of things that when you get to help, you go ahead and help. Even though it's not all the time, you can do whatever you can to help. I like hanging out with Allie. I try to do as much home stuff as I can because I'm not there all that often during the season. Obviously, in order to keep all the balls in the air requires some strict scheduling. Greg says that is not a strength of his, but he wouldn't have it any other way. I don't think I'm a good time management guy. There are certain things that work every day that I have to do. I don't have any choice. I'm able to do a lot of my game prep during the day, and if not, I'll do it at night with my laptop. Basketball is easier to prep for than football. During football season, the only thing I do on Sunday is all-day prep. That's all I do all day, both teams, and it takes me all day. So when football season is over, it feels like Sunday is a vacation. Basketball is not as hard to prep for as football, but there's a lot of basketball games. I try to catch up with things around here after football and basketball season over. But it's like any coach. The radio guy is invested in his team. When the season is over, there's an empty void, and it takes a couple of weeks for that to go away. By the time you get to the middle and the end of summer, now you're ready to go again. It takes a little while. There's that void when the season is gone. You're walking out of that arena for the final time going, man, it's going to be a long time before we're back here. We're not playing a football game until September of next year. It doesn't take long in visiting with Greg to find out he is passionate about his family, about helping people, and about his job. Being passionate and showing some emotion, he says, is critical for young broadcasters. I think it's important for sportscasters, especially if you're doing a game for your team. You're not doing a national game. Remember that you're going to be tied to that team. You're going to be emotionally invested in that team. You're going to see things. I remember one year we went down to play Rolla, now Missouri S&T. They lost 30-some games in a row in the league, and they beat us, and it's night. Lights are on. There's not one person around. You're in the press box, and you see former Mules head football coach Willie Fritz by himself walking across the football field, head down. That just tells you how much goes into it. Same thing when we beat Northwest Missouri State up in Maryville. Former Northwest Missouri State coach Bill Churchman, head down by himself in a hoodie, walking across the field, nobody else around, everybody already gone. Those visions you'll never get out of your head, like Coach Anderson and former assistant coach Brad Luce jumping up after winning a national championship. There's just certain things you will never forget on an emotional, personal level for these coaches and players. A lot of people think, well, they just show up on Saturday. Not the case. They're pretty invested into it. Radio guys are invested into it, too. Having witnessed several nail biters from my post on the sidelines and in the press box, I know the helpless feeling of a biased viewer who is totally invested in the team's success, yet can do nothing about the outcome. But while I was forced to keep my emotion in check, the broadcaster has to call the action. I asked Greg how he manages this. I don't. I'm up and I'm down. I have so many people tell me they know how we're doing without me even telling them the score. I get really high. I get really low. Sometimes I complain. Sometimes I don't. But you know what? When I'm calling it for our fans, do they want me to control my emotions? Do they want me to be excited when their team does something good? 
Do they want me to be upset when something bad happens? I think they probably do because it's their team too. That's what they're rooting for. I'm not doing it for a national audience. I'm doing it for us, doing it for Jenny's and Mules fans. I'm an emotional roller coaster during a game, and that does come out over the radio because I've had a lot of people tell me that. Man, you were really up. Man, you were really down. Man, you were really up. But that's how they are, too. They're up and down with the team. I guess I'm doing my job if I'm conveying over the radio what's going on out there, and they're going up and down with me. Does he ever catch flack from his audience for being so emotional or speaking so honestly? I ask people to tweet me, oh, the game's over with five minutes to go. Really? Yeah, it is. Hate to tell you. We're down by 30, and we aren't going to touch the ball two more times. So, yeah, it's over. I'm sorry. You know, it is what it is. I don't sugarcoat any of my games. If we're playing bad, man, I'll tell you, we're playing bad. I think a lot of radio guys do that. A lot of your radio guys in the MIAA do that. They tell you like it is. They don't sugarcoat anything. That was Joe Moore reading a sample chapter from his debut book, Show Me Sportscasters. That was fantastic. I, I loved getting to hear about local guy Greg Hassler. He does fantastic color commentary for UCM. Make sure you're following Joe. Listen to him on the radio when he comes up this Friday. I've got the links in the show notes as well as where you can go get his book. He's a great guy. Now the, the book is being sold for a great cause. So check it out. I mean, just so much good stuff and such a great guy. Hey, don't forget to give us a like and follow us because if you're following us, then you won't miss out next week when we come back with another author, another book, and another sample chapter. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week.